Welcome to MoobTube live from Berlin. This is our third and final account of the various films that we have seen at this um, quite extraordinary uh, European film festival. Mm. I'm joined here as ever by my regular co-host Owen. Hello Owen. Hello. And we have the great uh, dear pleasure of being joined by George Macbeth, friend of the pod, regular contributor. How are you doing? Guten Tag. Guten Tag. Yeah, we're bringing, a bit, we're bringing a bit of German into this, this situation. Um, and, and what better film to start with than yeah. a film by one of Germany's um, most esteemed directors of the, of the moment, um, Christian Petzold. George, do you want to just uh, tell us a bit about the trajectory Petzold has been on um, uh, since he began his career? Yeah, so um, he, it, he tends to be lumped together with... Uh, a series of other filmmakers who all studied at DFFB, the film school here in Berlin, mm-hmm. with uh, Haran Faraki as the tutor. Mm-hmm. And they, although actually quite diverse, mm-hmm. um, become known as the Berlin School. So this is Thomas Arslan, uh, Angela Shanalak, who also had something in the competition, which we will get to later, yep. and Christian Petzold. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have later editions, uh, like uh Griesebach, who is on the jury this year mm-hmm. um now though formally a bit uh discreet and diverse their main unifying trait at the beginning was that they could see a tendency after the end of the neue deutsche kino the new german cinema which mm-hmm. of course you've covered abundantly on the pod um towards prestige films that dealt exclusively after this is after reunification in the 90s mm-hmm. With uh, with Germany's past and ignored the present, and so they set themselves the task, much as the neorealists had done mm-hmm. in the forties, of addressing current social predicaments. Yeah. Um, which doesn't mean mm-hmm. that they were a boring realist movement or mm-hmm. anything, but um, uh, I'm not quite sure what went amiss with Petzold because. He his started in, working with Harun Faraki. His first few films were co-written with the right, the and they they were artist. pretty close collaborators throughout the mm. throughout the um, Faraki's life. He died in I think twenty twenty fifteen or so. Uh, and the, this first trilogy, uh, the state I am in, uh, Gespenster and Yella, and, and Yella mm-hmm. um, is uh, each of it accords with this agenda to stay uh, fixed. It's fixated on Germany's present, mm-hmm. uh, and there is a um, the most striking feature of them is this the uh, uh, kind of corporate non-space of um, mm. of Schroeder's and then Merkel's Germany. You mm-hmm. know these kind of neoliberal spaces. Yeah, yeah. These, yeah, like exactly. lack these, of, these the neoliberal lack of non, non-spaces, yeah, yeah. 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 lobbies and kind of industrial parks and, and incidental roads. Strikingly really non-cinematic. Yeah. Um, and, and one way or another, he 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 went off course uh, in the last ten years or so. In your opinion? Well, much mu- much as if you think about von Trier's departure from dogma back, right, back right, to right. where he came from <laughs> to begin with, uh, if you think of this kind of constraint, as it were, he then he then lurches dramatically with these mm-hmm. films, Barbara and... Um, Phoenix as Indeed. well. And, and Phoenix, well, this is a third tendency, but there's okay. this middle one, Barbara mm-hmm. and Phoenix, straight into the terrain of these forgettable, in my mm-hmm. opinion, um, uh, historicist uh, prestige. Am I films. am I correct in saying that obviously Undine, which was from is is a year or two years old, was was poised as being the first in a in a trilogy that whose whose underpinning principle is mythology, right? So is this film because I I had to walk out for of this uh, screening not because it was bad but for reasons that will become apparent a bit later, um, but. Uh, is this film the second film of that trilogy, or is it? A, yeah, it is. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. But I don't. Unfortunately, I don't have the. Uh, I don't have the crib notes on which. Um, it's. But it's I'll, not, shall I just establish yeah. a fire? The film we just saw, um, which has. Uh, it has a sort of strange. It begins. It, what looks like it might be a love triangle. Um, the central character is a, is a chap called uh, Leon, who's somewhat chubby, somewhat schlubby, somewhat He's grumpy. A He's a flub. He's a schlub, a flub, uh, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, he's a novelist, and he's he's kind of flailing. He has a he's a he's a sort of a slightly um, uh, resentful attitude towards the world, and he's slightly entitled, very entitled, and kind of obsessed with himself. Uh, and there's a very uh, good-looking woman who's staying in this uh, cottage that he's staying with in the country near the near the sea, uh, with his friend Felix. 
this woman, uh, Nadia, who um, she has an aura of mystery around her. She's Russian. Um, and uh, Leon instantly takes a disliking to her, apparently, a, a kind of resentment. Um, and uh, Nadia's lover, this uh, this hench, a lifeguard, kind of... Uh, kind of Hasselhoff creature. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sort of a Baywatch <laughs> figure. Um, kind of... Uh, passes in into the into this fold and um various i would say for me somewhat unpredictable uh interpersonal dynamics shift uh amongst these characters but the overriding feeling is that um leon doesn't have the pizzazz the charm the con the um the the calm the, the inner calm to really connect with these people and feel joy with these people uh and so he's constantly on the outside of a very funny joke and then this has um for me a great a great quality because um well it's 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 you know it's just a great um depiction of like feeling outside and yet you're also confronted with the, the fact that this guy is like extremely unpleasant and rude to people mm-hmm. uh and and very self-obsessed in a very unattractive way and he's also physically quite unattractive um uh, but that's perhaps more subject, more subjective. Um, but yes, you, um, George, we had an amazing moment in the cinema mm-hmm. where we both. I looked at you and I thought, I think I might, I might mention to George that this is reminding <laughs> me of Theorem by Pasolini. Yeah, yeah. And you got in there first, <laughs> leaned towards me, and said, "It's actually a bit like Theorem." Yeah, um, because. But what it actually is is structurally speaking, it's uh, it's an inversion of yeah, yeah. So theorem. theorem for for listeners who uh, uh, have yet to discover the joy of, of Pasolini's Theorem, it's a film about a man who sort of enters a a well-to-do kind of uh, country house with a maid and a mother and a father and a brother and a sister. And one way or another, he not only seduces every member of this family, but also in some level, on some level helps them to realize, actualize themselves in in ways that are very specific to each person. Right. And so he he is this kind of um, ultimately magnetic uh, presence played played by Terrence Stamp, Stamp, who is also a kind of crypto religious figure Mm -hmm. in in one reading the film. Um, And now, Leon, by contrast, is, yeah. is is superbly repellent, right? Like uh, ev- every advance he makes towards anybody within this mm-hmm. given constellation, including his uh, closest friend uh, Felix, yeah. with whom he's um, whose house it is that he's there. Uh, he 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 sort of this this guy has main character syndrome, which yep. you, you know, <laughs> and he is the main character, which is kind of unusual. He's he mm-hmm. doesn't really look like the sort of art house protagonist that we're so you're so you're kind of saying in the way that his early films you've got spaces that are non-cinematic here's a kind of man who maybe isn't cinematic in his own right there's like it's like located to this person who's not really if i mean it's he's got a great face no he he does and he has superb presence and he he kind of broods in this in Mm. this magnificently um like a uh, sulky adolescent fashion and it's his age is a bit indeterminate because when mm-hmm. you discover that he is he's moving on to a second novel you think oh okay maybe he's like a wunderkind mm-hmm. or maybe he's actually like early 30s but has this slightly uh, boyish quality to him but all his traits give off a slight um uh yeah air, air of total resentment towards all, all of the and he expects everything so this is um yeah he's in, in a yeah, permanent yeah. state of expectation that uh, it, it, yeah, and he also feels that there's a sense, there's a because he's schlubby. I think he has an expectation that um, there's a sort of pact or a, or a contract whereby he may not be the most good-looking, glamorous person in the situation, but he is at least the cleverest. Uh, and this arrogance kind of um, does him absolutely no favors. Uh, <laughs> and furthermore, I, I won't spoil it too much, but there are moments where the other figures. Uh, slowly reveal themselves to be to know a bit more than they're letting on, and 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 this um, uh, this is this is, provides an extra sort of insult to injury that he can't even really um, uh, achieve this dominance he sort of expects of the situation. Yeah, and as I mentioned after the screening, I mean, you already discussed the von Trotter um, Bachmann biopic, right? Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is we did this yeah. enormously uh, cosmetic, superficial portrayal of the writerly life and. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, fervent scribbling in notebooks and anguished smoking in bed as what, what constitutes it. Meanwhile, the character is ultimately sympathetic. Mm-hmm. But this is, <laughs> I think, a much more, this is a much more, uh, there's much more fidelity to the truth of um, yeah. of this sort of character because he is like, a, I mean, he's almost like Thomas Bernard or someone. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, he's a... Uh, Bristly, difficult. 
Brit, Brit, mm. Yeah, and and to the end, to the mm. absolute, even to the emotional comp- consummation of the film, which is superbly moving, he's he's unable to truly inhabit. Um, this is so beautiful for me, and it's something yeah. that's rarely seen in, in in cinema, and and actually it has an effect on the viewer of. Like I had, I had this feel. So the end, the end, with, without again giving it away totally, because it's a really beautiful reveal. Um, but there is, there is a, 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 an arc of success at the end and an arc of extreme tragedy, and the two exi- sort of exist almost in parallel. Not well, they they come to you almost in parallel in the film, although they're, they're spaced apart. Um, but uh, but yeah, there's this, there's this. You you go along the journey with him. You feel his outsideness, and at the end, you feel. This extraordinarily extraordinary ambivalence between being genuinely moved. I mean, you know, tears did come to my eyes wow. at the end, but also feeling this detachment that he feels, feeling this kind of I can't cry because I don't know um, how to sort of access that, or that this this feeling of separation, this distance, which is you know can also be experienced <laughs> cinematically. Um, you know, you experience his shame at not being able to be part of the the feeling human uh uh majority right um and this is this this thing is, is sort of not um you know it's very unglamorous but it's very it's very true sometimes we do uh find ourselves preoccupied by um by sort of self-important um banalities in in the face of tragedy there's there is a sort of um a beautiful truth to it his inability to connect to all these mm-hmm. things that are extreme extremely moving we can see it as and his and his profound underestimation of everybody else's uh um work yeah and exactly. he, so he keeps it, this says, arrogance is he, ha- his, he has this motif for it i have to work i have to work yeah, i have to get yeah, done yeah. i have to work um <sighs> but of course he can't because he's become besotted with uh this with mm. this character nadia but what there are a few other things that um aside from the portrayal yeah. of this uh and the characterization so cinematically it's uh it's played out against this ecological um backdrop of forest fires which mm-hmm. are creating these uh um perpetual infernos in the woods and the woods mm. themselves are i think where the connection to this uh folkloric um, fantasy element begun in undine which mm-hmm. i didn't think was such a successful film where water was a predominant right source. exactly so here you have the, you have the fire um but uh much more successful i mean you have a, a real kind of feeling of grim or or of kleist or uh when it's hard, it's hard to it's hard to go into without revealing too much, but um, mm. let's say there are wild boars. That oh yeah, there are wild boars. There are, and there are lots yeah. of nocturnal um, devices that are extraordinary. There's yeah. a, there's a game of um, uh, volleyball or tennis scene. that they play with these kind of LEDs flashing um, oh, cool. uh, rackets, which is very beautiful. And then there's also an amazing scene with ash from the fire, kind of floating through which has an extraordinary yeah i was a bit apprehensive there because we've seen at least two films that relied on snow to inject profundity where they felt (laughs) it was lacking but this was was not here again we're at the seaside but this was narratively crucial and and also very beautiful and 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 it's a film that doesn't you know i mean i uh probably the thing that would stop it from being like you know one of my really deep favorite films is that it doesn't really visually sing that much it's kind of very it looks very nice most of the time, mm. but it's not so striking. There are these editing techniques that appear uh, maybe a handful of times, these kind of jump cuts that, that are very well chosen. So in that sense, maybe a bit like Mia Hansen Love, you know, there's yeah. a restraint in terms of innovation, but it does um, it does, it does, does bloom at various points. Can, um, I, can I speculate wildly go about for this it. film? Um, I was thinking, so a fire, fire, man who is tormented by his own um burden creative burden mm-hmm. it kind of sounds like prometheus to me like you know a, a mythological character who's uh for the goal of trying to steal fire from the gods mm. is you know by zeus is destined or, or condemned to suffer torment forever and if this is not a man suffering torments by the sound of it then mm. i can't think of anything else he's this kind of so maybe there's like a promethean lens for this character it may be a very very superficial way but it could be or it could it could it could be somehow even more german than this because andina was like a <laughs> somehow steep that um yeah i and i i wonder and i feel a bit the film didn't suffer for lacking the subtext mm. because mm. and the resonances here are with i'd say most with yeller which mm. is the third one in this first trilogy about uh which is about them it it's about contemporary germany but it's also mm. about violence and the legacy of violence yeah uh but there 
you have a very strong kind of mythological strain that kind of seeps into this um, corporate non-space world. Um, I hate to hurry proceedings because yep. there's yeah, yeah, tons to say yeah. about this, but um, staying in Germany, staying with this generation of directors, um, we are now going to talk about Music by Angela Shanalak, a film I missed, uh, so I will now... Hand the reins over to Owen. To uh, yeah, so music is a is a very elliptical thing. So I think the film that we're all familiar with in this room, at least, and probably many viewers, is Marseille from two thousand and four. indeed. Yeah, it's a very it's, so it's quite a geriatric film, um, which is an extraordinary, sparse, and and editorially quite um, uh, in a way elliptical. You know, also because it jumps uh, halfway through the film to a, a different location uh, while retaining uh, at least one of the characters. Um, Music, in contrast, follows that kind of split. So it's a film that takes place in Greece and then this takes place in, in, in Berlin. Um, and it's a story. This is the problem. So it is a... Uh, it's, it's, lo- it's supposedly um, grounded in mythology as well. Um, the, the underpinning myth is... Um, is it Narcissus? No, it's not Narcissus. It's um, fucking... What is it? Oedipus Rex? It's Oedipus. Sorry, yeah, it's Oedipus. So it's based loosely on Oedipus. There's this Oedipal, um, alleged kind of Oedipal killing, father slaying, um, which, so the the way this film achieves it is uh, through a series of decontextualized scenes, kind of tableau vivant almost, um, that unfold uh, from an accident to a storm uh, to a... Uh, 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 imprisonment, you know, murder and imprisonment, a uh, love triangle, sorry, not love triangle, a romance, and then the dissolution of this romance. Um, the film... And it should be stated that the dissolution occurs because the guy uh, falls in love with his warden in this... Prison. In this prison which looks like, I mean... They, you know these jokes you have about Scandinavian prisons. I mean, this one, this <laughs> looks one looks like a hotel. That one this one, this this one looks like, um, yeah, it looks like it's being well. He's uh, only, call. yeah, he's only, he's basically. So it's a very sparse, almost like Mormon barn, almost this place. And he's 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 actually only sentenced to one year for this this killing, which is in not which really. He spends most of his time singing opera and in, in his um, singing leader cell, and yeah. Monteverdi and things like that and Bach. So yeah, so uh, what I will say is like for me, I, I know I really, I really hated this film. I thought it was very stayed very poised um often tried to grab for i say the overarching kind of aesthetic look was perfume ad or maybe georgie said sort of fashion ad fast fashion ad mm-hmm. it, it, i think it has the kind of visual i'd say the blocking and the the behavior of actors is done in this very denuded emotionless way so you're th- thinking like you're lanthimos you're thinking kind of dog tooth and Does maybe it share anything with Marseille lobster. in terms of that in terms of the layers no no no, no because I'd, I'd say the difference here and uh no discourse but it's in greece mm-hmm. and the character's greek and it's made by a german director yeah and the bressonian uh, approach here seems to suggest that these people actually these characters really are blank and really have no interiority. Yeah. And they just act. So we have so much of folding the linen, shelling the pomegranates, yeah. watching the football, you know, these it's like total immersive states, which... Uh, almost catatonic. Uh, uh, almost know. catatonic, yeah. for, forbid any sense of interiority, so, much like, you know, um, the characters in... Uh, in a long form perfume commercial, would yeah, <laughs> yeah, a long form perfume, and yet this is mistaken for a kind of uh, uh, profundity, I profundity think. or a Bristonian. None of the austerity. images mean what they think they mean, mm-hmm. right? And then there are, and it becomes in some sense ever more desperate as the film continues. So it just, it's, uh, it's desperately, you know, seeing everything as a, a nail, you know, because it's got mm. a hammer, and the one hammer is is Bresson, and so, you know, the fixation on feet. Uh, and hands, mid mid body shots, mid body yeah. shots, um, and like I was saying, you know, pe- uh, fans of Chanelek, and I, I do think Marseille, and I think um, Passing Summer, I think it is, mm. and, and, and Afternoon, mid- did you like Mitten? Yeah, Mitten, mm. like this is a good film as well. And these yeah. are all women in a crisis films in the mode of, um, for instance, uh, like mid mid Roma, like yeah. um, Delph- I, Delphine or something. I, from, I think that the difference with this film is there is uh, the, the the music of the. Um, title refers to intrusions of uh of incredibly moving um stirring quite emotionally anguished leader and pieces of song and then these and later pop music so these pieces of music are what the guy the murderer as it were sings in prison uh it's what he kind of sings at home sometimes kind of you know unprompted 
and it's later what he pursues as a musician in Berlin and his, and his daughter also pursues as a musician. Um, and I think part of me was trying to think, is she trying to say that explore a kind of, I'm being generous here, explore a kind of disjunction between the profundity and depth of Western classical music and the unfeeling, emotionless, as it were, world which gives rise to it. This kind of dis disunity between the beauty of pure art and the world that actually generates that. You art. are being generous. I'm being very generous. I think <laughs> that's what. Well, you did just say you hated it. So I think that's what she was trying to do because you know music punctuates the the piece. Of, actually, they could they weren't really that emotional these music, but I could see she thought that they were emotional these moments. They were cutting through the kind of the 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 kind of pulp of the rest of the film what you know so what i did I, I really disliked a lot of the framing i really hated this kind of um compositionally dysfunctional lanthimos style acting because at least even with lanthimos in alps and dogtooth there's mm -hmm. a kind of really taut exploration of power and you understand completely what you are seeing mm -hmm. because you get it you get mm -hmm. in uh, dogtooth what the situation is even if the situation is unusual whereas here you're left to kind of try and piece together this world from these these ghastly fragments and this whole film takes place over quite a few many years mm -hmm. from i imagine he killed the, the murder which was really an accident that must have happened when he was uh, a teenager yeah at one um, point it's revealed that there's been an interval of seven years yeah. uh, and nothing is done to establish this really no and, and I look. I I saw the music thing as essentially it's it's very sparse on dialogue uh, for the first hour. I mean, I have barely to, any. I, ha I have to disclose here, full disclosure. I did leave around the ninety minute mark. I didn't. I didn't make it to the full hundred. Ten minutes to go. Ten minutes to go, and I I I actually must have really become unbearable. Wait, waited out, waited <laughs> out past fifteen. The music. Fifteen people came in a row to get get out of this thing. Mm -hmm. um, um. But to begin with, all you have are these exaltations uh, of people's names. Elias, John, Mama. Mm, um, Ida, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much the only uh, dialogue we have. And then we have these leader, which are another form of communication, uh, mm. apart from the discursive. And I was like, I'm, I've, I'm, I'm sort of sick to death of this pastoralist mode. Mm. Um, and especially after having seen what is also a pastoralist film, but... Uh, with these deeply urbane characters. Oh, in the fire. Fire by in, 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 yeah, exactly. We also saw a bad, uh, 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 well, Emily Attips. Um, yeah, which is also a, pastoral. also a pastoral. But there's also this kind German. of uh, Euripidean turn, you know, I think in the way that these, you know, maybe to different ends, you've got uh, Petzold and also Chanelac mm -hmm. reaching for mythology mm -hmm. as, a, as a, a, a source of root, um, you know, a building block for a film. And I think here, it's done in such an overburdened way. You know, you could say again generously that there's the there's a, a there's a similarity with like Pasolini's Medea, which is also a very taut, poised film where people are making declarations. It's not it's it's in a way emotionless, but it's an incredibly powerful and emotionally wrought film. Whereas this felt like it felt like it was in that tradition of of Pasolini's Medea, but in reality it was just it just felt very ugly and cynical and it was a pond it was a pond it was a puddle that thought it was a lagoon you know it, like re that. it really really yeah. felt that it had uh, was mining great depths of mm. maturity and sensibility and it just didn't access them terrible yeah. speaking of maturity it's now time to discuss a film directed by a man in his 80s is that correct james benning yeah james 80 benning. this year happy birthday james. Uh, happy birthday to james benning he's here in the festival he's not only uh, introduced his film he's Alan's in parties Worth, He's also um, do, uh, he's, he's also uh, asking questions at Q and A's. Uh, I'm, so I'm told. Um, Allensworth is his new film, hot on the heels of his uh, second film called United States of America. Yeah, um, we all saw it at various points. Um, George, would you like to describe briefly what this hour-long uh, structural film is? Yes. So. Um we we were fortunate enough to see it with Benning present, and he uh, at the outset he explained to us, "Look, this is a mystery." Um, and afterwards, I'm, I, I'd like you to uh, kind of Google and uh, piece it all together. Mm -hmm. uh, but then afterwards, in the Q and A, he um, he did sort of uh, demystify it somewhat. So Allensworth itself is a community in California, which Southern was Southern California in Southern California, which was the uh, first settlement on American soil um, uh, established by African-Americans and which was built and solely inhabited 
uh, and then it was destroyed. And here I'm not so sure of the details. I think there was a, a lynching. I'm, I, so I believe that sometime after, uh, somewhere around the 1920s, uh, at least 1926, there was a lynching or a burning or an event that led to a lot of these buildings either being damaged or uh, left abandoned, so they decayed into a state of disrepair. Right. That's what I believe. And then in the 50s, they're reconstructed. Mm. Uh, and the settlement is reconstructed. Complete sim sim simulacra of the original buildings. Exactly. Like down and so this was once quite yeah. a populous community. Um, and the uh, the girl who tried to access the um, uh, the school during the Jim Crow separation, uh, which then... That's the Little Rock, Arkansas. In Little, in yeah. Little Rock, Arkansas, yeah. which yeah. then set off the um, uh, Brown versus the Board of Education bill, which want to remember from civil rights history is is part of the process of ending Jim Crow. Um, she came from uh, Allensworth. So there is this, and then there's Benning's personal connection to it. Now ben Benning uh, <coughs> had, I think, the um, and the honesty <laughs> that you get as being mm -hmm. an 80-year-old 80 year old wizened um, former member of Crazy Horse. No, I, I mean, it's just what he looks like. Yeah. Uh, to say, look, I, I came of age in, uh, in a segregated community mm -hmm. where everyone was profoundly racist, including myself. Um, and I subsequently built a shack, not unlike those that you see in the film in Allensworth, uh, nearby, and then I became interested in the community, and now has 531 people. I found out via Wikipedia. Yeah, it's um, a small community. Can yeah. I can I just so interject? That, that, that's, an, that's enough okay. context. I think. Can I just yeah. interject and just describe the the viewing experience? Absolutely. Yeah, please. Yeah. It's an hour long, and it divides into divides pretty neatly into twelve uh, twelve sections, each of five minutes. Each are still shot, uh, shot on digital. Um, Almost all the shots are exterior landscapes which center a a building, one of these buildings that's been reconstructed. Um, a couple of the shots have um, a piece of... They, they all have a sort of atmos uh, from the um, this still shot. It's very much in the style of his other structural films, just a still shot. Life goes on, often very vaguely in the distance a train might pass by or you might see the reflection of a train in the window. Um, it's, it appears as if he's picked bits parts of this town that are especially not busy but they're not totally deserted either yeah. um there are some shots where uh he's chosen uh pieces of music um songs that relate to black uh, songs that have black in the title relate to black girls or uh, a nina simone song that describes uh blackbird not being able to fly uh, and then in august because they're all they're all a um, month each each of the 12 installments is of, of a month uh, in this, in the, presumably filmed in a particular month, over a year, this last yeah. year, yeah. And the August instalment uh, has a young, girl, a young black girl reading um, poetry uh, from, by someone else. Um, by Lucille Clifton, Lucille yeah, Clifton, from the kind of sixties, basically. This yeah, racial uh, poetry themed around being a black woman. But the the, the one, I mean, one of the. Uh, parts of significance here, apart from the fact that it's the only human we see on screen, mm -hmm. um, is, well, is, in, is, in the is sort of in the center. There are humans kind of hovering. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah true. We'll get to that. There are signs. There are mm. many signs of human inhabitation, mm. but the only uh, mm. kind of mid shot um, is this refrain that she uh, returns to again and again uh, from one of the poems in the inner city, or as we call it, home. Mm -hmm. um, mm. And because we're, what we're sort of seeing here, I mean, you can place it within one of these Lost Futures uh, films, right? Yeah. Um, not one of these like landscapes of resistance style, you, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, that genre. Because uh, after the end of Jim Crow, you see a flight um, of urbanization in, mm -hmm. and a re-ghettoization within... Uh, and then you get um, obviously the 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 King riots in in um, LA in the seventies, I think. But but just context aside, do, do, uh, did you? Well, can I talk? Can I? Yeah, let yeah. me let me talk a bit about space and right, a little yeah. bit about presence and 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 human habitation. And I think one of the interesting things with Benning is is so I'll I'll, I'll refer to what he said in his Q and A and what he said in his introduction. So he said there are in the film there are five clues which are really red herrings hidden within mm -hmm. the film. So that's one thing. And I think that's. Benning being generous, he said that at the beginning. I think that's he's aware that his films are require concentration and contemplation, 
and their reflective experiences and not necessarily they're not necessarily showing you he's not necessarily showing you the thing you're looking at he's showing you something else and the red herrings are really designed to help you reach that other place um and i think with the shots yeah there are intrusions and uh, eruptions so obviously he shoots um for a time in a day He's, he claims he only took 12 shots, so he's obviously probably chopped them down to these five He's minutes. humble bragging. He's humble bragging. I believe him. But the so question there was is, a process for him where he was yeah. like, I will not press record and stop. Yeah, he's not waiting for something times. necessarily exciting to mm. happen. I think is he's kind of seeing, looking mm. at the long edit for each shot and then picking mm. out a moment that's particularly resonant. So that might be the arrival of a train or a reflection or a car passing. And I think mm. these things are interesting because they tell us about a community that has been, as it were, in many ways, intentionally separated mm. from history because it was created, it was founded by the pa pastor, Allensworth, who, and it was created as a space that would be at some, sit outside, in, in judicial terms or kind of local government and community terms outside of Jim Crow laws because it would be self-management self communities within yeah. white America. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's this separation and there's a later historical separation, which I think for James Benning is the fact that Allensworth has really faded from memory as this, this site of kind of utopian imagination. Um, and he said, you know, one of the interesting things is that the train track was moved. It had a train station and the train was moved about a mile or two away. Right, so it can no longer even be visited. They can't service this mm -hmm. yeah, place anymore. So, but you see these trains. So these trains are kind of, I suppose, references to the idea that it's still part of America, but it's kind of det detached from America in a lot of ways and particularly from the memory of it. Um, and I think, yeah, so in terms of his composition, you get these, um, sound is very important to him. Um, and you're supposed to kind of absorb and look into this place, uh, which might be a building, the side of a building, a house. Um, and I think there's a, a, a similarity with like the photography of Luigi Giri or people like this. And there's, you know, I, I, I think we were discussing it overnight and the name Ansel Adams kind of came up as well. And I think- Or Eggleston also. Eggleston, I think. Yeah. yeah. So I think there is a sense of you're required to do profound looking. And mm. I always find with James Benning, they are always very, moving experiences at a festival to see one of these films on a big screen. Actually, somebody said this in the Q&A that he, he found it a sort of uh, a bit of R&R &R because every mm, year Benning yeah. shows up with a film. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's always a heater. And yeah, and you're, you, you often... a salve as well. And you will, mm. have, you will have seen any number of pseudo-Bennings mm. who think that... Many uh, such cases. Who, who, who mm. won't have, let's say, the structural... Um, under, underpinnings or mm. the structural integrity but we'll think that if they just put the tripod in there mm. and let, that less, yeah, and let you, the rest run the same effect will occur <laughs> yeah I, I, I think that the, yeah I, the um I, I i just to say i saw it without any of this context without before or after mm. um and i, I yeah with regards to the um the town the reconstruction the lynching thing um, to quote uh, President Trump, you're telling me this now for the first time. <laughs> um, but uh, I did, I did, I didn't write any notes except this uh, graph. I did, I did write a sort of a sine wave graph, mm. which was kind of my little um, record of uh, context and specificity. Um, or Interesting. Maybe not so much specificity, but but like context and uh, explicit politics, right? Uh, seeping in and then being fully. Uh, almost like an eclipse or something like fully being a bit like you know uh, almost like Hollis Frampton's lemon you know when the, the object becomes yeah, clear yeah, and then because there's a rotation like, like there's, a, there's a rotation as the season goes around the, money the year goes around you you find these things you find you start to realize that it might have something to do with the race this film with the Nina Simone song referring to the black mm. bird um, and then all of a sudden you're you're literally watching a black woman uh, re uh, reading out poetry about blackness and racism um, I, I think I think I probably would have preferred the film without it going um, uh, flying so close to the sun, but I, I I admired the way in which this this was structurally thought out. Um, we don't have much more time to discuss this, but I just want to yeah. get from both of you your feeling about whether or not that journey worked. Yes, I, I think it did work. I think that the uh, you cannot separate Benning. Bernie's like aesthetic and filmic project from politics. Like I think he's never made any, you know, his last film even United States of America was a state of the nation address to America and contemporary politics. There's no harm, like in the same way Farocchi and Petzold make films about Germ Germany's present. I think for the same reasons it works in their way and maybe Atef fails and flubs because she mishandles the goods, she fumbles the bag. Benning I think is one of the best uh, articulators of this vision because even when it is on the nose, like the poetry reading, it, it is still tethered to a very a, a structural imprimatur that he has developed. Um, 
and I think, yeah, maybe maybe the reading is quite on the nose for him, but also not. I think it's it's very consistent with his idea of he's not showing you exactly what he's showing you. Um, okay. He's not showing us a person talking about black experience. I mean, he is showing us that, but he's also pointing towards... The level of mediation is there, right? Still. Yeah. And uh, we, we don't know whether or not the schoolgirl is familiar with the poet. Well, this herself, or whether you know whether it's something on the syllabus she's reading it because it's shown not. within exactly it's shown within yeah. the yeah exactly no true he told remember her, he yeah. said he gave her the the book for the, for first, the first time, time and yeah. she read it so the interesting thing was during the Q and A the word he used three times was confrontation to describe so he said there's a confrontation between her and this woman this girl because he handed the book didn't tell her anything about it um, and there's an N word in there he said he was aware of the the power dynamic of a, a black woman reading to a white man with a camera and to say the N word she paused and skipped the word and he found that really interesting I find that quite interesting um, the dynamic and he saw that as a confrontation he thinks the film is a confrontation um, so despite having you know on the superficially uh, Benning is a passive observer he's really not that he's a participant observer in the landscapes and the spaces that he, he he brings to life i think so confrontation is an interesting and note. i just want to yeah and i want to say that um as as with the first i've experienced last year and seeing the united states of mm. america the affirmation that uh i mean betting has now made into this maybe it's one of his 30th films or it's in he's in his 30s i think but yeah he must be 30s or 40s um films, yeah. and and is enormously more diverse than just this long iterative uh late style of 10 skies 10 cigarettes 20 cigarettes etc mm. um his 80s work in particular but it's uh it really does feel like the iteration and the finessing of um uh a painterly mode and um a poise and a grace and an understanding of filmic vernacular which is that of really being in the presence of like uh, someone with control over what they're doing Okay, next up, we are going to make a quite quick whistle-stop tour through uh, a small handful of films that uh, we saw, where only one of us saw the film. Uh, so we'll talk for about two minutes and we'll be quite strict on time. Um, I'm going to start with Home Invasion by Graham Arnfield, which uh, was part of the Forum Expanded uh, section of the festival. Um, full disclosure, um, uh, Graham is, is, a, is a friend uh, and I got a drink with him before the screening. Um, but I will give my, my honest responses to the film. Cash for honors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I liked it very much. It is, uh, it is a film that doesn't shy away from did, uh, didacticism. It has, a, uh, has intertitles, constant intertitles. that are, in a, in a sense, reminiscent of silent film. Um, it is shot entirely, also reminiscent of silent film and of The Wheel by Apoc uh, Gans. There is a circular uh frame throughout the whole film um it is essentially a history of the doorbell um which which uses uh, uh it, it tells the doorbell through four four different stages with a kind of coder at the end um it starts off uh talking about a a, a woman in in the in the 80s i believe a black woman who installed a uh who, who came up with the idea for a video doorbell because she um felt so unsafe uh in her house because uh, people were Burgling, burgling her all the time. Uh, it then skips to talk about a, a man called Jamie Simonoff, who uh, founded the company which is now known as Ring, which is owned by Amazon, which uh, you may have you may well have seen, especially in America, these um, these video devices that that uh, record to an app uh, who is at your doorbell. Um, uh, Graham has managed to source. I'm sure there's a huge pool of footage that he had to source from, an infinity pool. Um, he's managed to source uh, extraordinary, you've been framed style uh, collage of, of clips of, of uh, bizarre things happening at door, at door, at, uh, at the thresholds of people's houses, um, which has this extraordinary tension of sort of waiting for the thing to happen. The, the reason why this has been taken out of the surveillance pool and into a kind of a different context. Um, it's magnificently structured. It evokes Hito Steele. It evokes Haran Faraki. It evokes uh, Adam Curtis, and I, I don't necessarily say that um, critically, although I think there were moments where I was unsure about the didactic voiceover, but it kind of won me over. It's it maybe that's partly because I think he's just generally more politically uh, switched on than Curtis. Uh, you know, there is obviously a lot of E. P. Thompson uh, and uh, and a lot of uh, the the history of Luddism, uh, which is the, uh, marks the, the the final chapter uh, uh, of of the story. Um, there's also a, as a middle section, um, which I just neglected to mention about the about D. W. Griffiths and his uh, invention of parallel editing, uh, which was inspired by a nightmare that he had 
um, uh, and uh, well, they're all based on nightmares, but the, uh, it was inspired by a situation where uh, he was in New York and his wife was in California, in, in San Francisco, and uh, he knew that she was unsafe via the telephone, but he couldn't do anything about it. And then it goes through this extraordinary sort of Christian Markley-style montage of, of situations involving parallel editing and involving telephones in thrillers mm. and horror films. Um, I, the, 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 the best way of putting it into words is that uh, I think Graham has conjured the idea of private property uh, into life in a way that only the moving image can. And I, I thoroughly recommend it. And I, I look forward to talking about it with other people who have seen it soon, hopefully. Ding dong, merrily on high. Indeed. <laughs> um, and next up, we will talk about Samsara. Oh, and you saw this film, Samsara. Can you skip me for a while? I'll come okay, back okay. a bit. Um, I saw Beasts of the Jungle, which is a film about going to the nightclub. Uh, it's a French film. It takes place over about 50 years. Um, not 50 years, 25 years. Um, it stars a, uh, a very good-looking woman who looks very similar to the woman in Worst Person in the World, but it's not her, um, and, and, and a very good-looking man. Uh, it's based on the Henry James novella. Um, it's basically just a club film, but it has this kind of Rivettian, Renéian, Renéish, uh, Alain René-inspired uh, um, sense of an encounter that's never fully fulfilled uh, and is constantly based on memory and romanticism. It's a very romantic film. The production yeah. design is very striking, the, the lighting... Um, the atmosphere, the characters. Um, I found it hugely enjoyable. But I also found it a bit indulgent, and I figure that uh, it will probably alienate quite a lot of its viewers. But uh, I'm 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 here for bold films that try and do things like that, as opposed to kind of naturalistic films that 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 uh, yeah. fail to move me. Shall I um, jump in now? With uh, please do. I saw um, Luis uh, Peña's uh, Samsara, um, which is a a film about uh, death and the afterlife in, a, in the simplest way possible. Um, it it basically is two things. Um, it's first of all, it's absolutely extraordinary uh, visually, formally. Um, also, it has issues. It has problems. Uh, the film stylistically, uh, atmospherically, feels very akin to to Pichpong, very ethical. Um, it's got has a Laotian settings, a Laos. Um, of monks and jungle and elephants and waterfalls in a way that feels very, very uh, verisethically. Mm -hmm. um, but it also has this amazing, so it really explores like, the de this young boy who is looking after an elderly woman who die, passes away, and he's reading this Tibetan book of, of uh, Buddhist um, afterlife mourning thing. It's this, you read this book to someone before they die, and it helps them navigate uh, the afterlife and to be reborn. Um, so again, there's this middle section, which I'll talk about in a second. Then there's a final section, which is it, it implies it's her rebirth as, a, as mm -hmm. another animal in, a, in in Mali, I believe. The final section fell very flat for me, but the middle section is an absolute heater. It is about twenty minute long, intense rhythmic flicker film in the kind mm -hmm. of tradition of Kubelka or Tony Conrad, um, and also brackage to an extent because it uses color in a way that Conrad and uh, um, Kubelka didn't use black and white. Mm -hmm. um, it uses it's shot on film, it's shot on celluloid, and you get this pushing in of the celluloid. You know, I was wondering in the in the first part of the film, is the film really essential? It's adding nice grain, but it really comes through in a little bit because that kind of insane light flare and bokeh and disruption that you get on the on the screen can only be achieved by mm -hmm. uh, you know subjecting intense light. The variable light to film celluloid mm -hmm. so it could only be achieved by that it's a film where the use of film was absolutely essential necessary to its effect mm -hmm. there's also an amazing like three four five minute section in the middle where you hear it's black leader so just black screen mm -hmm. and you hear just the buzzing of flies uh, and it's such a bold thing to sit in a cinema where you know you see these kind of myopic uh middle of the road art, art house films that don't really take any uh bold and brave formal gestures and you sit there and you're in a darkened cinema listening to flies buzzing for five minutes it's absolutely incredible um the final like i said the final section of the film this kind of rebirth was a bit it spoiled it for me i really feel the film could have ended mm -hmm. very quickly with just like a, an animal being birthed or something and then that's your film it would have been obviously a lot shorter mm -hmm. um but yeah it's 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 an uh, astonishing thing um i felt really knocked sideways actually after um after walking out of that cinema and I, I haven't been surprised by images in that way this whole festival 
Um, so yeah, it was a it was a, a kind of a lucky pick. Basically, I just saw it in a list and decided to go for it. That's terrific. And we and there we were thinking you were going to see Samsara by Ron Frick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. Uh, Sub Jeffrey Rogier bullshit. Um, yeah. So uh, George, you and I at the very start of this festival saw Rebecca Miller's. She came <laughs> to me Peter with Dinklage. Peter Dinklage, Anna Hathaway, Anne Hathaway. Um, and some other actors whose name I can't remember. Um, it is a somewhat twee um, kind of romance comedy about a, uh, a woman, Anne Hathaway, who is sort of quite uh, germaphobe and obsessive and neurotic. She also plays a therapist. Uh, her husband, she's remarried. She's got a child. Um, uh, her husband is, is this composer, this dwarf composer. Um, Peter played, played, played really well by Peter Dinklage. Uh, Dinklage is having writer's block. Um, their, uh, the the son who she who she uh, has had uh, Julian I think his name is uh, who who Anne Hathaway has, has um, raised with a, uh, another man who died um, is having a romance with the daughter of Anne Hathaway's uh, maid uh, Polish maid um, and this is the source of some anxiety because uh, this daughter is is of, of of a much more conservative and much less uh, privileged background. Uh, it's a fusion. It's a sort of comedic uh, uh, fusion of um, of uh, what is it? A fusion of George. How would it, you? You quite liked it. Um, yes. What would I say? It's confusion of. It most reminded me of uh, the Coen Brothers, of mm-hmm. uh, a film like Burn After Reading, for instance, um, or uh, what Raising Arizona, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I. I mean. He's he, the name that cannot be uttered in, on the festival circuit anymore, but Woody Allen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, has, has a New York Jewish sort of uh, neurotic humor to it. Absolutely. I mean, and the, the protagonists are a therapist, <laughs> a conductor, and uh, a kind of um, sketchily uh, realized working class depiction of tugboat queen who turns out to be, uh, or a tugboat captain rather, yeah. who turns out to be... Um, a sex and love addict. A sex and love addict, which uh, is which is the thing that brings um, that brings. Uh, she's addicted to romance. Yeah, aren't um, we all? Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is the thing which brings Dinklage's character off the um, the create the writer's block, um, but it's also a scenario which causes um, a huge life choice for um, Anne Hathaway's character, who's sort of uh, on the edge of uh, sort of uh, a life of purity, such as her germophobia escalates to a form of of complete religious purity. Um, it's kind of quite watchable. It has moments of humour. Um, it sort of formally thinks it's doing more than it is in terms of its sort of aspect ratio changing a lot. Um, no, no, I think the opposite. I think <laughs> this. I think this is a product of inattention. Actually, I, 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 I. I, I what my in, inattention? No, no, no. Hers. <laughs> no. I mean, this, this didn't strike me as a conscious choice because mm. what was it? Uh, it was not. It was not um, shooter to any particular thing. It wasn't like the external shots. Yeah, there wasn't a codification of it, but yeah. it, it it must have done it for some reason. It must have thought it, that it, it was such a sort of obviously strange choice. And you did watch one of her earliest, right? Um, I did watch, yeah, which Sean. was on DV and had a more kind of frenetic pace. But she yeah. does like these kind of stories, these inter- interlinked stories. Kind of, it, yeah. But, um, but yeah, we're... Yeah. Bit of a mosaic one. I, 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 I Yeah, I, I, uh, I thought it was a great festival opener. It was... Um, most of the jokes landed, although the German audience in our press screening uh, somehow felt otherwise. Did they not <laughs> translate, maybe? <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. yeah. Stony-faced. Um, we have yeah. two more films to discuss, um, and we've left... And, and two the, and two films which probably we have the most to say about. Um, we've got about sort of 15 more minutes we can run for. So let's talk uh, me and Owen, uh, because we, we managed to catch it yesterday. Infinity Pool by Brandon Cronenberg. Um, which <laughs> is uh, yes another film set in a luxury context, uh, talking about people who have huge amounts of disposable income. Uh, it is about a writer and his girlfriend who go to this resort in a fictional uh, I- island, probably in the Caribbean, called the, the Lil Tolka, the Tolka people. Mm. Um, uh, very early on in the film, uh, this writer figure played by Alexander Skarsgård accidentally um, runs someone over, some working mm. class, but he breaks, he breaches the protocol, he breaks out of the resort uh, for a laugh, for a bit of a joyride and ends up... Um, uh, Totaling a, a, a... Yeah, so farmer. it has this sort of headless woman atmosphere, Lucretia Martel, a film about mm. someone running someone over and it being raised. But in this case, it's a, a far more frivolous, kind of stylized in a Spring Breakers style fashion, uh, full of gore and guts. Uh, the premise is basically that um, he can uh, he won't get punished 
for this if he agrees to have a double made of himself, which which uh, a double a person that contains his memories that will then be summarily ex executed. And then this triggers this sort of strange anxiety and ambiguity around whether the devil is in fact him and whether it, he is the devil. That it, it almost kind of loses, it, it kind of loses touch with that in a way because it also it decide, it picks up this other narrative. Mm. And this other narrative is that there is a, a coterie of um, expats and holiday goers on the island who mm -hmm. are all obviously foreigners who have found in this uh, doubling uh, loophole uh, a kind of free reign to commit murder and acts of brutality mm -hmm. because there is no consequence. So this is a film that's really saying, it's not necessarily probing the existential quandary of uh, am, I a, am I who I think I am? Am I mm. myself? It's probing the quandary of it, without the, the, the uh, threat of punishment, mortal punishment, mm -hmm. ultimate punishment, would people act, uh, you know, would they would they be aroused by bloodlust? Mm. Um, and so the film obviously explores this kind of excessive, like it's almost like s s Giallo B movie Bunuel. Yeah, it, it's it's it's. I mean, it's made in a very clumsy and irritating way. It has extremely uh, extreme close ups constantly, mm. and and very stabbing. Yeah, and very extreme. And yeah, and it, it it thinks that the way to intensify is to is to turn things up and zoom things in mm. uh, which I think is a misunderstanding of like the extraordinary subtlety and contradiction that you can inject the cinematic process with yeah. um, without going into too much detail and giving too many examples but that you know it's very um, turned all the way up which makes it simultaneously sort of oppressive uh, to watch at the time but mm. then very very banal on reflection it doesn't get under your skin in the way that Cronenberg's uh, father's no. work uh, does at its best or Big indeed you know, or I think indeed there's the something about there's, a, there's, there's also there's Mia Goth we should mention Mia extraordinary there's yeah, this, there's this really extraordinary very posh woman uh, she hello. plays hello uh, who, who obviously come on um, James her basic uh, yeah. position in relation to the Stella, uh, the, the Alexander yeah. Starsgard character, is to be a kind of seductress who takes him down this um, path of sin, mm. um, and constantly, sort of, whenever he wavers, constantly challenging his masculinity. Yeah, she emasculates him. She, she yeah, he's a writer, so she reads his negative reviews to yeah. him, and so there's taunts there's him. The, taunts him. This is an interesting parallel with this, or the negative parallel. Mm. I'm making it anyway, but uh, with Crash, so his father's right. film Crash, which explores. Not so much um, a removal of a consequence, but people for whom consequences matter anymore, yeah. which is people who become erotically fixated on auto on vehicular death, mm -hmm. their own and death of other people. And it becomes a kind of it's like a it's like a psychosexual pathology, um, and like that, there's a coterie of insiders, people who are united by their their kink and their perversion. And this film has this coterie, but unlike that, it is making a, a, a less interesting point mm. about you know whereas for daddy cronenberg it's the kink and the perversion and the 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 that taboo that interests him whereas here it's merely a kind of judicial would you go mad if you like didn't go to prison or because for yeah. killing people it's like and i, th I think and, and yeah. the, the, con the 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 um uh, i mean crash just gets to the heart of what it is to like you know to have a desire that might not actually mm. be you know, good for people, yeah, um, which yeah. is like a very extraordinary uh, and and, and daunt, generative daunting, desire. generative feeling. Whereas this film is is about uh, is a sort of making a, a, a nihilistic wager mm. about human <clears throat> nature and human behaviour. I compare it to Triangle of Sadness in this regard, um, because they're both films about the super rich, and they're both films that sort of it, that imply that basically, given half a chance, most people would. Uh, just for the fun of it, just out of sheer boredom yeah. and, and a desire for an, an individualist desire for power would just um, oppress and yeah. uh, exploit others and laugh about it. And I, I think, um, uh, and I, I, as a, as a, I don't like to inject my politics into critique uh, very often, but you know, I, as someone who, who who has a Marxist analysis of of capitalism, like I believe people do evil things because of structures of power that have been created because of mechanisms. Um, not because a ju juridical rule has been yeah, suspended. Not because, yeah, not yeah. because, not. Be we're not. We're not. Um, uh, we're not just like uh, violent animals. Yeah, uh, cynical. Uh, who who are yeah. who are only behaving because the rules are there. Um, uh, neither neither are we, uh, of course, incapable of committing. You know, we're certainly capable of committing these nasty acts. Yeah. But I would say these nasty acts happen 
um, uh, precisely because uh, yeah. uh, humanity has been kind of um, suppressed rather than... But it's interesting how this has been in the water with Triangle of Sadness. It's been in the water with Westworld, and I feel this is, is a compatriot to the White Westworld Lotus and series, like White Lotus, Triangle of Sadness. I think the, the final thing I'll say, so there's a, a narrative conceit in this film that he decides to stay longer and mm -hmm. his wife goes home. Uh, he claims he's lost his passport, but he's really hidden it because mm -hmm. he wants to. He wants to kill. A bit again, like Sundown, which feels like Sundown. Uh, I will say, ladies and gentlemen, I lost my passport this morning, um, so I will be staying in Berlin <laughs> and for an additional um, two. As uh, far days. as we know, you didn't hide it. I haven't <laughs> hidden it on purpose. I'm not going to join a sort of fanatical cult of murderers. Although we are in Berlin. We are in Berlin, so they probably are here. If you know, if anyone is out there that wants to go and murder and commit sprees of violence, hit me up. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to be here for another 48 hours. That's a parody, by the way. Hopefully the uh, <laughs> police side don't um, raid uh, this house. Um, but yeah, so should we hit the next and final? Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, I, I suppose one thing I wanted to say, just, you know, I'm not a huge fan of horror films. So I think, you know, there probably will be people who see this film and, and just like get a thrill out of like the, the squeamish, uh, the squeamishness and the jump scares. Um, but yes, I think for me, uh, a good horror film is one that really gets under the skin of our anxieties rather than like needlessly making us feel uh, anxious. Uh, Sorry, yeah. anxious. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and therefore gives us some kind of mediation and some kind of understanding of like the root of our anxieties uh, rather than a film which just um, needlessly prods at us, at our anxieties for 90 minutes and then kind of just lets us go and, you know, um, and, uh, and keeps us in a state of, of boring banal fear. Now, moving from one state of boring banality, <laughs> uh, well, from one state of uh, uh, boring banality to potentially another. Um, last night, we watched the final film, which we're uh, going to review today. Um, in water is that what it's called? In water, Mul in, the, in the sea, no, no, in water, in water, Mul and Seo uh, by Hong Sang Soo. Just for a little bit of background, Hong Sang Soo is a Korean filmmaker who's worked South Korean, South Korean <laughs> filmmaker not a North Korean filmmaker we're still waiting um, yeah uh, yeah we're still waiting for that new wave to get work. that Juche wave um, and uh, and yeah it's um, he's a filmmaker who's who's um, largely very popular with uh, a certain kind of corner of, of, of sort of film Twitter he makes a film at least a film every year pretty much mm. um, almost all of his films are extremely <coughs> dialogue heavy and tend to concern uh, shall I shall I pick up here because yeah. I'm the one that's like honged myself yeah, the most. So Hong Tan Su's films often t he uses available light. Uh, his film camera is often static or it maybe pans on a on a tripod. Mm -hmm. Very simple. He pays very little attention really to composition. Mm -hmm. um, or to lighting Those sounds great they don't, yeah, they don't really interest him uh, I'm not a fan of his, his what I've seen there's elements but they're dialogue heavy we the watched Virgin strip back to her uh, strip, strip bare by her bachelor yeah you've got grass, grass right in front of your face which yeah. we've seen um, and these films often circulate around writers actors directors screenwriters um, and himself himself yeah, really just, yeah reverberations of there's himself there's usually a sad woman and there's usually a few sort of um, yeah. hapless gents hapless uh, nothing really much happens and uh no one has sex no one has sex and people drink a lot of soju that's the thing so people get a bit shit-faced in restaurants and they're often drinking soju and there's a lot of stilted conversation and awkwardness and that's just his films basically so that's that that's is the, the concept that's the whole Sansu context that's what you need to know and the present moment the one thing that's slightly different in this case it seems is that this film is one hour it is uh thank god always always slightly out of focus not because it's been deliberately pushed out of focus but because the plane of focus never changes so very occasionally characters are in focus uh, because they're yeah. at a certain distance but the most plane the is very close to the, yeah, the but camera yeah, exactly most Shallow. of the action takes place beyond this plane and is therefore blurry um, it's a love triangle but without any real action uh, it's it's a film uh, uh, three people trying to make a film uh, a man uh, no, and, no 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 there's and four and people trying to make a film four people Hong Sang is also trying. Oh, Hong <laughs> also trying. Yeah, very good. And, uh, oh, I like this one. By the it's way. very much. It's very much about this mm. dynamic. Um, George, this was your first Hong Sang Su film. Um, and my last. Uh, Hong Sang so long. Let's let's hear um, your thoughts. Oh God. Um, well, look, I, I I can begin with the things I can pray praise about it. It's mercifully short. Mm -hmm. It's 61 minutes. <laughs> and the foreknowledge of that uh, kept me there. Um, and also the freedom of the blur initially was compelling. 
uh, and when when we left the completely stayed and unremarkable compositions of the people uh it became quite striking for instance the shots of the beach mm-hmm. when they're, they're, making, really nice. they're making a film on the coast that's nice um and i liked this uh and this kind of twee folktronica um soundtrack mm. um but then that's that's it i fucking loved this film i thought it's completely asinine incompetent watered down like uh the fifth filtration of something that's already been filtrated twice um the fact that uh i for me i actually felt that the blur was an omission that there was nothing worth paying focusing on or paying Mm -hmm. attention to in this it was a it was a sort of um discretionary gesture where you make you might just kind of uh uh signal to somebody that they don't need to pay attention to what it's you're it's, saying, it's you know? so it's it's not comparable comparable in a way to i mean we keep mentioning richter but it's not comparable to the kind of mass culture disfiguration of richter's blur paintings. no i know i mean i was yet. thinking about all the like poets of blur like from whistler or turner mm-hmm. through richter to larry gotheim you know like mm. this does yeah. not belong in that lineage yeah i mean I, <laughs> I i think largely <laughs> hong sang su has a, as an irritating habit of finding interesting the least interesting aspects of a film i mean virgin strip bear to her bachelors strip bear by her bachelors uh is a film that is told twice uh but in the second version the characters are a bit different and different stuff happens and it's extremely irritating uh, it means you have to live through an already quite isn't poorly it, isn't made it film quite twice. funny as well though that you get like there's a thing of like if you're going to call if you're going to name your film after one of the greatest works of like avant-garde art you know, it's like a Duchamp, um, yeah. Duchamp's Large Glass. That's the actual title, mm-hmm. Duchamp's Large Glass. Mm-hmm. Um, then at least, which is broken into two planes. Yes, yeah. so there's kind of a clever thing there. But yeah, it's it, you don't do that. Don't yeah. name your film after a, a, a superior piece of but art. I think what, I think what George is experiencing is quite justifiable irritation yeah, with Hong Sung Soo, who yeah. is basically an extremely indulgent and annoying director. I find um, it the che- I really did find it the cheapest of cheap, cheap mm-hmm. imitations because mm-hmm. its celebration in this moment. I, I mean, I, I pointed out to you guys before they are marketing here in Arsenal, which is one of the venues and one of the kind of rep houses here in Berlin, the Hong Sang Soo box set, which comes with a bottle of soju. And like, <laughs> oh, hit me up, for God's sake, yeah. this lifestyleification. Um, but this is uh, being enjoyed and appreciated. Mm-hmm. I mean, I watched a film essay from, from some, one of these Hong Sang stands. Um, oh, and I don't think this guy is a fate with Roma. And, Definitely not. He must right. be. He must have seen. Oh, what the? No, 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 no. The, the, the stand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and at the end here, we have this absolutely brazen lifting from um, Tale of Summer. You know, Gaspard's mm-hmm. uh, chanson. One of the most moving mm-hmm. aspects of this. You know, the song that is originally for one woman, then goes to another, and then come back mm-hmm. comes back to another. He goes on this journey. Yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, and we have the same thing done here, but in the most insipid, sophomoric. Um, poorly rendered style and, mm. and and you know i wrote down some of the dialogue i'd like to see ghosts then i'd know if they exist or not uh, i mean <laughs> it's it was absolute fucking drivel like no i think i think that's to be unfair in a way i think a lot of the conversation is dictated by these kind of empty platitudes so there's a kind of procedural nature to hong san su films which people rarely break into um uh I, I didn't mind that so much because people rarely break into kind of articulating uh, in depth and in, with nuance their actual feelings and desires. Uh, they're not articulate in the way that maybe a Roman. No, no, I, I'm, I understand what you're saying. It, but the, yeah, some of the some of their concerns and considerations. I think it's because these people don't really know each other. Is what we what we understand. There's a there's and a lot of it's found. What I found most interesting was its kind of articulation of awkwardness. And as a, as a, while they're trying to make this film, um, and for me the blur was very interesting. Um, and it felt like, like I'm saying, I, I actually found it was strangely compelling this film in a way that I've not found any Hong Sang Soo film compelling. I don't think my enjoyment of this film changes my distaste for the Hong Sang Soo films I have seen. No, at absolutely. All. I think this one just struck me as being a bit, it's a bit more nuanced and a bit more formally interesting than his usual slapdash yeah. compositions, which I find really irritating. It's possible that um, you and I own are experiencing a kind of. Um, a kind of uh, an improbable relief after having seen um, 
some truly terrible Hong Sang Soo films, and this one maybe seems that like is the recent. This seems like or... you know because I, I I what George is saying resonates hugely with my experience of every other Hong Sang Soo yeah, film. Yeah, but, but this one seemed to have some really beautiful compositions in it. I did. I thought that the the lack of focus really helped bring to life blocking. In it, which is a thing I, I never feel Hong Sang-soo really gets, although he no. seems to try and want to do something with it. Um, and uh, and I, 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 I was, I mean, it was because it was only an hour, I was quite open to this kind of language. Forgiving. Uh, I was quite forgiving to this yeah. sort of um, musing. And, and basically through all this banal chatter, we were finding a little bit about these characters. Um, there was a nice bit where um, this this guy is, uh, he comes, uh, he, he, he's... he's um, his two friends have gone out to buy some food and then uh, they've, they've bought, they've just, then they say they took a long time because they bought loads of extra stuff and then they hand him his credit card, which was used to buy them. Just these little touches that set up quite effectively a character dynamic, which we knew we wouldn't um, see very much of. There are loads of scenes of filmmaking, uh, quite amateur filmmaking, uh, a moment where a, mo- where a, a scene where a, a previous scene is recreated and, and, and shown being Yeah, filmed. a conversation happens on the um, beach by with, chance is with, then recreated. Exactly. With a different I like this a yeah. lot. And I think this yeah. felt this felt genuinely very cinematic, not just, you know, kind of a marginal interest for me as a filmmaker. I think even even the final final shot, which watch observes Love him the walking into shot. the sea, was yeah. very, very beautiful, especially with this blur, which kind of turned it into this very smeared painting for me and I thought it was very very well achieved but again yeah this is not something he's done before I've looked, I've seen quite a lot of his films and they 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 meet all of the the negative criteria that George has painted out that he saw for this film um, I mean I look, I don't I don't know which um harried copywriter wrote the program notes for it but somebody was saying every shot of it is uh, is like an impressionist oh bullshit and i was like no, yeah, in, and then if anything it's more like a this is writing like, checks the film can't cash unfortunately it's more like yeah. a luck toyman's or something like he bashes like, <laughs> these kind of like des- desaturated <laughs> yeah. paintings one every day yeah it's certainly not know? hard to create images like this but nevertheless no. i thought their um i thought their ease had a certain energy and a freshness sometimes Films that you know can be made in a week are better than films that take two years. To yeah, make. I genuinely think this film probably was shot in the amount of time. I would be very upset and days. disappointed if it took him more than three fucking days. He works <laughs> very quickly. That's his process is very you know very uh, accelerationist in a way. So indeed, and uh, we also work quickly um, because we've managed to talk about eight films. Uh, uh, no, nine. Big we managed big. to talk about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Formidable. nine films in the space oh, of. Dear. Uh, just over an hour and I now have to get to the airport um, got speed any final thoughts Berlin Ali actors in America seem to have won out far more than yeah, it's an acting. it's an acting festival uh, it's an American festival and, uh, the losers are uh, uh, western classical music mm-hmm. and black leader at the start of films with diegetic sound over them the two things oh, yes, we to stop immediately um, George any final thoughts um, no but um, you had a good time had a great mm, time okay. and a uh, uh, Faith in cinema somewhat rejuvenated. Great. Mm-hmm. By certain uh, outliers oh. from the general uh, normification uh, that we've seen in many of the films. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, well, uh, that, that, that does us. We're, we will be back in London eventually, uh, some of us much sooner than others. Um, we've still got to review Mia Hansen Love. We've still got to review Hu Xia Shen. Hu Xia Shen is um, going to come. But yeah. for now, Alfie de Zen Petzold. Alfie de Zen.